Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to AI Named This Show. I'm Tasha Custody. And I'm Tristan Jutra. And we are your human hosts. On this week's episode, we have a bunch of Google AI news, a couple of whoopsie doopsies from ChatGPT and Google Gemini, and there's a new grok on the block. All what? this and more on episode 26 of AI Named This Show. And namaste to our listeners in India. Thank you so much for listening. And Tristan, kick us off with a wee bit of stable diffusion news, if you would. So much news this week, and we're just going to do our best to get through it. So, stable... Yeah, we got to dive in, okay? (laughs) None of this chitty chat. No, no chitty chat. All (laughs) right, stable diffusion 3.0. Early preview. It's a new text-to-image generative AI model by Stability AI. So this uh, this is a third kick at the can here. They've been going while well, this is a, a subscription service. You need an account and log in. Um, it uses diffusion transformers and flow matching to improve image quality and performance. So this is what we get through 3.0. So it's a uh, so, so as a diffusion transformer, this is a new architecture for diffusion models that replaces the UNET backbone, you taking notes, Tasia, with a transformer operating on latent image patches, enabling more efficient use of compute and better results. So how about... Understood. Do you want that in in English? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) So diffusion transformers work by breaking down an image into smaller parts or patches, and then using a complex network of calculations to transform and reassemble these patches into a new image. Think of it like a puzzle solver that can rearrange and modify the pieces to create a whole new picture. All right. Then um, part of this is flow matching. So there's this new method they're employing for training here we go, continuous normalizing flows or CNFs to model complex data dis- distributions using conditional flow matching, CFM, with optimal transport paths, leading to faster training, more efficient sampling, and better performance. Again, clear as mud, right? So the translation of that, so in case you're wondering what flow matching is, it's like a smart traffic system for data, where it finds the best routes to match data from one complex pattern to another, sort of like how a GPS uh, best routes us between two locations. The bottom line for all this, uh, all this gobbledygook with version 3.0 stable diffusion, one of its key features is that allows for more accurate and consistent spelling and styles in generated images, thanks to the transformer architecture and additional text encoders. So they are specifically targeting one of the 
key issues with a lot of this image generation that has a varying quality across these various models is the generation of text. So they've got some uh, examples and uh, throughout you know, different articles you'll find on the web and on their own site how they are improving. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's getting better. So because you see a lot of these image generators, like the text is just kind of a mishmash of stuff. So getting better as time goes on. And for those who are using stable diffusion, again, it's a bit more uh, off the beaten path. It's well known, but it tends to be used by more uh, advanced users. It's not quite the... Uh, general purpose, uh, you know, Bing image generator or, uh, you know, mid journey. I guess it's sort of like in the, the realm of mid journey because there is some costs associated with tools like that. But then some, some of us are using just Dolly, um, you know, with chat GPT plus. So there's some costs there too, but this is for the you know, people that are a little more dedicated to their image generation. So 3.0, go to town mm. folks. I want to know what their project workflows look like, by the way, if it's like, Hey, uh, what's the status of the, uh, the CNF in uh, relation to the CFM. <laughs> well, we'll just I mean, we'll we'll just ask their chat bot to help. But um, <laughs> but we have some other a little bit, bit more problematic image generation news this week. Don't we, we do. Tisha? I we're gonna chalk this one. I'm gonna put Google in the whoopsie doopsie category this week, Tristan. Cause a little bit of a whoopsie doops. <laughs> so here's what happened. The long story short is, for a short time, you could generate images with Gemini, and that was the f the free regular version and the and the Gemini Advanced. You could generate images of of people. But... We're just two weeks in with this tool, like this rebranded tool. It's like wide open to the public. Okay, go make some images. Go to town, folks. What's go what's yes. the worst that could happen? <laughs> and then today, as a matter of fact, Tristan, I'll tell you the worst that can happen. <laughs> it all started with. Somebody commenting on one of my YouTube videos being like, how come I can't generate images of people? And at first I was going to do the generic, like, are you in the United States? Here are the countries that it is available. And I was going to go through the thing. And then I thought, maybe I'll just see if there's anything in the news. Oh, What's I walked on? into it, didn't I? <laughs> so <laughs> basically, Google has temporarily paused Gemini's ability to generate images of people and this is in direct response to claims that the tool was inserting diversity into its images in a historically inaccurate way so i'm going to give you a couple examples here there were examples where they were depicting multiracial nazis and medieval diversity was their strength wasn't it right and medieval british kings with unlikely ethnicities <laughs> and it also produced America's founding fathers as people of color. Whoopsie, doopsie. Folks, I don't think we all need a history lesson there. So Google said in a statement, quote, we're already working to address recent issues with Gemini's image generation feature. While we do this, we're going to pause the image generation of people and we'll re-release an improved version soon. So then, of course, we had kind of two camps, right? Like you can imagine where this is going. People on Twitter slash X went a little crazy in the opposite direction and claimed Google was so woke and all this kind of stuff. And because, you know, Google's trying to do you know, I have to play devil's advocate. Google's trying to do the right thing by like Google's representing <laughs> by representing people of all yes. races and ethnicities mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know. And unfortunately, they've gone a bit in the wrong direction in terms of 
being historically inaccurate at this point, which we'll get to in a second. But so, you know, you had the people on one side being like, it's woke. But in reality, like as The Verge, they had a really good article about it. And they pointed out that some of the inaccurate depictions were essentially erasing the history of race and gender discrimination. So like, that's the real problem. The problem isn't the, the wokeness of Google. That wasn't even actually their base attempt was not them to be like, let's like kumbaya like so google went on to say quote we're working to improve these kind of depictions immediately gemini's ai image generation does generate a wide range of people and that's generally a good thing because people around the world use it but it's missing the mark here end quote so you know google was attempting to do the right thing by increasing diversity in their images but it just so happened because of how they kind of blanket coded it, maybe with not the proper nuances, Mm -hmm. that when people were prompting specific things, they immediately, on the back end, what was being added in, I'm really dumbing this down, but what was being added in were diversity prompts, if you will, whether the person inputted that or not, which generally would be a great thing. You want to see a diverse set of people coming back to you. However, when it's not accurate like that, that's kind of the big problem. So Google, you know, we, we don't really know when their fix is going to be, but they could possibly just modify its system instructions perhaps to avoid inadvertently <laughs> inserting diversity when the prompt is like historical as an example. So, you know, the other thing too, Tristan, is like a lot of these keyboard warriors on X were very much trying to screw up the system and trying to... Who do they think they are? The New York Times? I know, right? (laughs) Exactly. They were trying to, first of all, they were getting around certain things. Like you can't, you shouldn't be able to generate images of like, Nazi soldiers or certain soldiers and they were being able to do this by misspelling say the word soldier or something and saying things like German soldier from this era you know like and soldier was spelt wrong and it's like so they're already tricking the system Mm -hmm. so again it's it's just a bit of Google was trying to do the right thing because here's the thing when I had access to the image generation It's one of the first things I noticed was the photos I was getting back and not in a historically inaccurate way. I wasn't asking for any type of historical photos. I was like, generate a futuristic image of a woman in a car, like going up a mountain or, you know, like I was doing random. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I prompt. Generate this, man. But like, you know, and I noticed mostly it was people of color, which is great. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like it's depicting, like for me, like it's giving me things to choose from. I had another prompt where I asked for... And I did it a couple times because as we know, we'll get different results each time. But I was like shooting a video. I was recording a video for YouTube and I thought, oh, I'll just keep trying out this like one prompt of like, you know, write a short story for me on this global pop star that's smashing records on tour and blah, 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 you know. And each time it did a different pop star. One was from India. Her name was different. Her picture was different. When I wanted, if you will, if you go to regenerate the images, those were still all in, you know, cohesive to what the original image was like what only one of the images when i did it three times was like a white woman with dark hair um and i loved it 
I was like, this is great. I, you know, there was Asian representation. We had somebody from India. I thought it was wonderful. Didn't think twice about it, to be honest. Like, I was like, sweet. So there's me on the naive end being like, this is sweet. And like, I had some really cool um, futuristic images done too in the one example. And um, of like, I think I ended up generating eight different images. Only one was like a white woman with blonde hair. The rest were all people of color. So I guess I just didn't think about it in the other terms. Like if I had been asking for historically accurate photos, like that could be a problem, of course, because as we know, things haven't been so kumbaya. So Tristan... But just, we'll just, see. Yeah, just a real quick thing. I think you you meant, you said you didn't think about it. Well, apparently Google didn't really think it through either. And that <laughs> is, I think, some of the genuine criticisms that might might some might have about the system wide application of you know everyone can call this like a DEI initiative like for a large language model is that is it appropriate for what users are looking for and we've talked in the past about how uh, training sets of training data can impact and bias the outputs be it uh, you know text output uh, te imagery or video but if they were really if they had actually thought it through rather than just kind of <laughs> maybe trying to be seen to be doing the right thing to avoid like uh, you know being accused of the opposite problem maybe they could have used some localization that's a thing that we've been aware of for decades now whereby if you have users in certain parts of the world maybe things would be weighted to show them imagery that's closer aligned with how they look whatever part of the world it might be so whether it's north america south america you know europe africa asia because generally speaking people are probably looking for you know, output, unless they specify otherwise, that kind of looks like themselves. So that would be a, a bit more of a nuanced approach. And that was obviously what was lacking. They're just like, okay, we're just across the board. We're going to make things more diverse. I mean, they're just assuming that people want diverse results. And it's not just North Americans using these tools. Once they get open, of course, to other regions, people are going to, maybe they don't want to see crackers in there, <laughs> you know, if they're look, searching in East Asia, right? So I think it's it's a good lesson that, you know, there's wanting to do the right thing. There's also wanting to be seen to be doing the right thing, but also whatever you decide to do, doing it in a mindful way and not in a just really <laughs> it's like basic and clumsy way. Yeah. So hopefully, who, you know, who was learn. coding this? Me? Was I ready the system <laughs> language? <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. do, you know, Tasia, do better. <laughs> Do -de -do -de -do. Look at how great I am. So we don't know. We don't know when the fix is coming, but man, they're probably working some long hours this week. <laughs> well, lucky for them, uh, Gemini wasn't the only one struggling this week. Mm. Very quickly, uh, ChatGPT produced uh, some gibberish results on uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, this happened overnight uh, before OpenAI did fix it. The responses included switching languages, getting stuck in loops, or repeating, repeatedly correcting itself. Uh, for example, uh, when while discussing the Jackson family of musicians, the chatbot explained to a Reddit user that, Schwittendly, the sparkle of Tumar on the crest has as much to do with the golver of the moon paths as it shifts from follow. 
Like, what? Yeah. Are we in like a D&D adventure now? Like, what just happened? What does this have to do with the Jackson family? So, of course, people were concerned. Now, Tasia, this has some implications of generative AI. I mean, things we've heard stories about you know, hallucinations. We've heard stories about GPT-4 getting lazy and just not trying as hard anymore. And you need uh, repeated prompting to get back on track. But this is a, a different kind of error altogether and you wonder what's happening behind the scenes like did someone spill the coke on a can of coke on a server (laughs) um so there are still many challenges and limitations of llms or large language models that power chatbots like chat gpt and they can sometimes yield unpredictable or misleading results so the takeaway message here is like you know remember it's not always going to be such a crazy output you know caveat emptor here like always double check the kinds of things that you're getting as outputs because they may not be so obviously uh, bonkers. They could be just subtly bonkers. It was having a bad day. <laughs> just, it was tired. It was tired. It just, it just, okay. It's like, I just couldn't even. Here's some gobbledygook. Schwindly. <laughs> we have to start Schwindly. Schwindly. <laughs> I wonder if that's a real word. Anyway, back to Gemini, oh, Tasia. Yes. Uh, a wee bit more in ish. Gemini ish, I'm going to say. More names. Do you remember, Tristan, (laughs) last week we joked about, oh, what's coming next? I can't imagine next week. What are we going to have? Gemini Advance powered by Ultra 2, Ultra more. Like we were like, what's going on? This And I joked that that would be the announcement. And you know what? Okay, fine. I was wrong, but I wasn't far off because in classic Google fashion, everybody sit down. We have another name. <laughs> not, It's not a rebranding. We're not rebranding Gemini. No, no. But Google has announced Gemma. It's Aww. open models for AI research. Okay. So Gemma is Google's new family of lightweight, state-of-the-art open models aimed at AI developers and researchers. And it was developed by Google DeepMind and some other teams across the company. And just so you know, Tristan, I'll give you, since I'm the linguist on the show, Gemma is Latin for precious stone. Perhaps you may think gem or jewel, which could also be accurate, according to my Google search. (laughs) According to my Google SGE search. (laughs) So it's also popular uh, British girl's name. It's a lovely name. I love the name. I do. It's a great name. So it's available in Gemma 2B and Gemma 7B sizes with accompanying pre-trained and instruction trained variants. And Google says Gemma offers, quote, best in class performance for their sizes compared to other open models and that it surpasses significantly larger models on key benchmarks, which is like, I feel like the same PR quote we get from every company it surpasses its the benchmarks like every time this is what we hear but anyway for now google says they are allowing responsible commercial usage and distribution for all organizations regardless of size so guys add gemma to your list of i'm just like so this is is this okay because there was lambda not to be confused with llama from meta so there was google had lambda but that wasn't open source that was just powering bard originally and now we've got gemma but now it's Ge- gemini yeah. but it's open source and gemma's more powerful so like on okay. one of the one of the links we'll put in the show notes there's like a chart that's showing it against 
Lama or Lambda too? I think Lama too. I don't know. I get them, guys, it's too much. And I get it too confused. Anyhow, it compares it against that and shows, you know, like all the tokens and the speed and all that kind of stuff. And so if people want to dig into more of this and we really need to keep a running list of naming conventions and what companies they belong to. And we could play a game. Like at the end of the year, we could pull from the hat and be like, who owns this company? (laughs) Now, I, I have to give them credit because there is in some way a little bit of consistency here in that Chrome is to Chromium as Gemini is to Gemma. I mean, they're kind of mixed the other way around in terms of the number of syllables. But Chromium is the open source version of the Chrome web browser. And Gemma is the open source version of uh, the language model powering Gemini. So there is a little bit of parallelism there for a change. Cute. Kudos. Well done. Well done, Google. Yay, Google. I think it's a very cute, cute name, but that's just me. But that's Tristan. Not all the Gemini news, is it? Well, speaking of Chrome, Google Chrome is launching. Oh, sorry, I'm playing the part of Tasia Custody now here, and look forward That's to what some I was upcoming. Say, this vi- is exciting. Yeah, coming. Look forward to some of my upcoming YouTube videos on this <laughs> topics just like this. Google Chrome is launching a new feature that allows users to generate and rewrite text using Google Gemini, its latest AI model. You can enable the feature from the Chrome Settings menu under the Experimental AI page. Then you can right-click on any text field and select select help me write. The tool will understand the context of the web page you're on and suggest relevant content. So for example, it could help you write a product review by highlighting some key features on the product page. And what I say to that is bring on the fake reviews. Yeah, but you, <laughs> so you guys remember, <laughs> I talked about this, a f- I don't know how many episodes ago, we talked about how Google had announced that this was, this was going to come. And here we the, are. The help me write features, which at the time, if you all remember our naming conventions, they were part of Duet AI, which is now Gemini for Workspace. Follow along. Help me write is one of those features. <laughs> so that was the next iteration. So it's very exciting. So I have to check. I updated my Chrome. So I need to check because I'm part of the whole, I've got the experimental features toggled on. So that was one of the features I have been waiting for. It was not available to me yet. So I'll be first to tell you if it's available for me. Oh, I look forward to your video on the topic. YouTube.com slash Tasia Custody. That's me. But wait, Tasia, there's more. Speaking of Duet AI for Workspace, uh, Google has launched Gemini for Workspace. <laughs> a So let me, let's, just, let's just pull it up here so we can follow along. It's a... Um, uh, a new AI add-on for its workspace plans, offering various AI-powered features for Google Docs, Gmail, Google Sheets, and Google Slides. The add-on, so this is on top of your Google Workspace monthly uh, fee. The add-on is $20 per user per month, per user per month. So this is similar to what we're seeing from Microsoft. Depending on the usage limit and availability of uh, AI-powered meetings. So the add-on includes features such as Help Me Write, as mentioned, this is like in the kind of the corporate version of this, enhanced smart fill, and what do you know, image generation, maybe including some multi-ethnic Nazis, TBD, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Gemini for Workspace replaces the previous Duet AI for Workspace, which never actually launched to the public for, for realsies. So 
Okay, at least there's that. But certain Gemini, things, certain yeah, things. We had yeah. access to certain things. So Gemini is now available for any workspace customer through a checkout page with just a few clicks. Now, Google's second plan is Gemini Enterprise, which includes additional capabilities for AI-powered meetings, where Gemini can translate closed captions in more than 100 language pairs and soon even take meeting notes. So lots of meeting features in both of these, but yeah. even more so in the Enterprise version. Hooray. Now, the Gemini Enterprise add-on is $30 per user per month as opposed to $20. But it doesn't, and it doesn't come with any usage limits, so go to town. But it's currently only available through a contact us uh, link. So they're throttling that a little bit and you know, adding a bit more friction to the you know, process for whatever reason. Maybe they want to get you on the horn and uh, upsell you to some other Google for Enterprise Ultra Max with extra Gemma. Extra Gemma. <laughs> She's your girl Friday. <laughs> it's cool because this is like what we've been waiting for and they had teased last year and like so for me the only ones i ever had access to are help me write in gmail and docs and um help me visualize in um slides so there was also help me organize that's supposed to be happening in sheets which would be very cool because you're not going to have to know any coding. You don't have to do any self-formatting. You can just tell it what you're working on and it'll fill out the whole form for you, supposedly, as their examples say. Um, the cool things about the meeting notes and stuff, that really comes into handy in terms of like with Google Meet and we talk about being integrated into the ecosystem. So without you having to manually take notes during a meeting, you can use the summary kind of like feature in Google Search Meet. your transcripts, have summaries to send to people who didn't make it to the meetings. That's, that's all super great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very excited because I still eagerly await the rest of these features. I love Help Me Write. I use it a lot, actually. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I, I can't wait until they introduce a feature just like a, a, a one level higher up. That's just help me. Just help me, help me, Google. You should figure out what I'm trying to do here. Just, just, just help me. It's like, what do you need? I don't know. Anticipate my needs, okay? Exactly. What don't I need at this point? All right, Tristan. Uh, I swear to you, I have one more piece of kind of Google news. Well, let's do it. So, Reddit is licensing its content to Google to help train its AI models. So, in a deal reportedly valued. At 60 million a year, Reddit will allow Google to train its AI models on Reddit's vast catalog of user-generated content. Google's going to get access to Reddit's data API, which will help the company better understand content from the site. And here's what Google kind of said in a statement, quote, Google will now have efficient and structured access to fresher information as well as enhanced signals. <laughs> because they got all the old stuff for free, just so we're clear. Like everyone oh. was scraping the stuff Oh yeah, before, we're going to get into these that. websites knew what hit them. <laughs> exactly. So as well as enhanced signals that will help us better understand Reddit content and display, train on and otherwise use it in the most accurate and relevant ways. So to your point, you may remember that last year Reddit had announced it was going to charge developers to use its API. And that was a shite show to <laughs> say the least, because do we remember what that resulted in? A lot of third party Reddit 
clients and bye bye um, Apollo. Yep, goodbye. There was a site-wide protest in which thousands of subreddits temporarily went dark. I apologize. Those run by friend of the barking. show, Gray, yeah, Gray Williams, a co-host of ours on Momentous Live. He was part of that very protest as he was modding, moderating a few different subreddits. So it was a, a a big deal for a hot minute, like a month or two, and then. It was. As we kind of predicted, it just kind of, things had to carry on. They swapped out some moderators and we're just sticking to it. We got to monetize. <laughs> yeah. Well, they justified it by saying that, listen, these large AI companies are scraping the, our data without paying, which was what was happening. <laughs> so in a statement, Reddit noted that the new arrangement with Google, quote, does not change Reddit's data API terms or developer terms, and that API access remains free for non-commercial use. So as a side note, by the way, Reddit is rumored to be going public in the next few weeks. So, so interesting time. Yep. yep. Interesting time for this. So reported 60 million a year. It's, it's too bad that with all of this understandable desire for monetization that a lot of these third-party developers got swept up in that, and some of them decided to shut down because they couldn't imagine being able to pay as much as the new API terms were going to require them to pay. So Apollo shut down, but there's at least one or two that have managed to make a, a go of it. So, you know, was it Steve Huffman, the CEO of Reddit? He just stuck to his guns and, you know, it was ostensibly about these other web services like these AI companies scraping their site, but the collateral damage was a lot of the other indie developers who, you know, had commercial enterprises, not necessarily huge ones, but just made things less sustainable. And apparently Poppy has feelings on Reddit as well. She went right. hard at that delivery driver. Who's <laughs> like, hey. So on the international front, we go back to our, once again, to our cosmopolitan linguist, Tasia Custody, with some... Uh, Large language model news from overseas. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, Helsinki-based Silo AI has completed the training of their Poro model. So this is cool because this is like a new milestone for multilingual, multilingual, <laughs> like I said, it, LLMs in Europe. So Poro, which, by the way, is Finnish for reindeer. You're welcome, Tristan. We should have said hello to our listeners in Finland. Have we done that one yet? I'll go back and search <laughs> and see if we did. I don't know if we did. And I have a special place. Okay, we're sidebarring. I, had a, I have a special place in my heart for Finland and the people of Finland. Because Me too. one Saku Koivu, who was the captain of the Montreal oh. Canadiens, was a good Finland boy. His brother also played in the NHL, Miko Koivu. Anyhoozy, so hello to the people of Finland. I love you. Oh, well, um, we also, for the Vancouver Canucks, we had Yerky Lume, Petri Skriko, and uh, Sammy Salo. But of course, my favorite, Yarka Rutu. Yes. Who I also saw, I think he played for the Finnish team at the 2010 Winter Games, which was here in Vancouver. And the Finnish fans were bonkers. A lot of body paint. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Love them. Can you tell us we're a Canadian, bunch of Canadians without telling us we're Canadians? Why Why do you love this country you've never been to? Well, our favorite hockey players. <laughs> They're from there, eh? And, oh, boy. Anyway. Anyhow, Poro. So back to Poro. This is the first of a family of open source multilingual LLM. So 
The startup is building the models alongside the University of Turku and the EU's High Performance Language Technologies, HPLT, project. <laughs> so Poro is a 34.2 billion parameter model designed to process... And if you're for a quick catch up on parameters, check, was it our last episode or the yes. one before where we talked all about parameters? So we're not going to re-explain it here. Go back and listen to the previous episode. Go back and listen. So it's designed to process English, Finnish, and code it's been trained on a data set of one trillion tokens and you also did a really good job explaining tokens and the whole thing yeah i think it was the last episode so according to silo poro outperforms all existing open source language models i told you they're all gonna say this but this one is specifically on finnish including mistral FinGBT, llama and bloomy 176 billion parameter model so open source multilingual LLMs are key to ensuring language diversity and cultural representation. And frankly, it's also kind of critical for Europe's AI sovereignty. They don't Poro, want to be dominated by no. the US, which has been leading the way with a lot of these things, right? So Exactly. The representation, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're catching up. Poro is available for free under the Apache 2.0 license, which allows both commercial and research use. And Silo AI is currently working on the Nordic languages, Swedish, Norwegian, um, Danish, and Icelandic. And it's also planning to expand to all other official languages of the EU, which is great to see. So very exciting. So everybody check it out. Poro. And hello once again to our special people. In Finland. Thank you for our sidebar. (laughs) Hello, Saku. Oh my God, I would die if he listened. Anyway. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, speaking of languages and words that we might not be familiar with is there a new grok on the block (laughs) there's a new grok on the block but this one ends with a q instead of a k nope i don't care tristan it's too much it's too much we already had two groks with a k because you may remember in the fall when xai elon's xai announced the grok llm his x so to speak grimes had an she had announced that one of her like was that interactive ai toys was called crocus i was like why are they doing this to us what did they should have called one Gemma while they're at it anyhow grok with a q is an ai chip company that specializes in creating language processing units so more jargon for us lpus 
which are designed to provide significantly faster processing speeds for large language models, LLMs, compared to the current industry standard GPUs, you know, graphics processing units employed by those such as NVIDIA. Um, the core advantage of Grok's LPUs lies in their ability to overcome two major bottlenecks faced by traditional GPUs when running LLMs, compute density and memory bandwidth. So how quickly can the different elements on these uh, graphics cards talk to each other and ultimately with the, uh, the CPUs controlling the whole game? This architectural innovation allows for enhanced efficiency and speed in AI model execution. So with the increased processing speeds offered by Grok, this technology, again, it's Grok with a Q, there is potential for real-time interaction capabilities with AI chatbots, such as ChatGPT, Gemini, and the other Grok with a K, oh boy. although not currently those ones, since they're not open source. So this is like a theoretical, right? OpenAI, Google, and XAI would have to use Grok's LPUs. So that's the whole idea is there is more competition in the marketplace against NVIDIA, whatever AMD is doing, whatever Intel's doing. They had some recent announcements. They want to you know, get, go hard into AI because they see like how strong NVIDIA's stock price is right now, which is largely fueled by its AI efforts uh, um, lately. So, um, so, to, so, so instead, Grok is currently using Llama from Meta and Mixtral language models. So to reiterate, Grok doesn't make its own LLM. It makes them fast. And that's according to its CEO, Jonathan Ross. So just so we're clear here, Grok with a Q is not an LLM. Grok with a K is an LLM. That's one from XI, XAI <laughs> from uh, Elon Musk. Grok with a Q is a hardware maker. It's a chip maker, chip designer, chip maker. Um, and it's, it, its architecture has demonstrated significant performance milestones with public benchmarks showcasing speeds of 500 tokens per second. So that would mean in about 100 seconds, you'd get about a novel's worth of text. That's crazy. So just over a minute and a half, you get a novel's worth of text being generated by this, uh, by the, your, your language model of choice running on their specialized chipsets. So this is a stark contrast to the anywhere from 10 to 100 tokens per second performance range of the usual suspects uh, of the, uh, the other hardware that's out there. So hosted on their current infrastructure. So let's say OpenAI running their own infrastructure, Azure, which is powering um, you know, uh, Bing and you know, Copilot and all that, and more and more powering OpenAI, of course, as well. Uh, Google, Google Cloud powering uh, Google's Gemini efforts and whatnot. So this highlights... Grok's superior processing capabilities, according to their claims. And this achievement, of course, could significantly reduce the current delays experienced during interactions, making conversations with these chatbots feel less robotic and more fluid. So both from a, a, a text interaction point of view, but also in a voice interaction point of view. So one of my favorite things to do with ChatGPT is use ChatGPT, v, is it, uh, the, the voice element, which is available in the free version, and have a conversation. And it's quite good. Um, my wife Stephanie has mentioned on more than one occasion, or a couple of people have mentioned, that it's the voice that I've got, uh, that, that I'm using for it, sounds a little bit like Scarlett Johansson. Um, not sure if that's accidentally on purpose, what the thing is there. There's a few different voices you can choose from. Now, I haven't been able to try the voice uh, aspect of Grok with a Q, um, with whichever LLM you choose, but there was a uh, an interview with the CEO of 
Grok with a Q, and the TV host was having a rapid fire conversation. It was it was a bit much. She she kept cutting off the LLM. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I, I don't recall if they said what LLM they were using at the time, but it was very quick, much quicker than what I'm doing with ChatGPT. So when I'm asking ChatGPT questions using my voice, often it'll like think for a few seconds, especially if it's a particularly complex question. So uh, it's it, more speed, the better, right? Now the names, Grok with a Q and Grok with a K are both derived from ter- the terms in Robert Heinlein's science fiction book, Stranger in a Strange Land. I think we talked about this in the fall. We did. With, when, when talking about um, XAIs, Grok with a K. It symbolizes deep and intuitive understanding. So to grok something is to in- understand it in a deep and meaningful way. And there's a noted distinction between grok with a Q, the AI chip company, and grok with a K, the AI chatbot developed by XAI, uh, Elon's Musk, Elon Musk's company. Um, so just so we're clear, grok with a Q, chip company, grok with a K, it's an LLM among many. Apparently, Grok with a Q was established by Jonathan Ross in 2016 and has addressed the similarity in naming by sending a cease and desist letter to Musk concerning the name Grok with a K, including a legal stance on the matter. So just, oh, fine. Okay. This is what I was just going to ask you. Who came first? Because why in God's green earth would you ever come out with a model of the same name? One letter different, but it's the same name. Tasia, they'd mm-hmm. only been running for seven years at the time. How could anyone possibly know? Well, and to be fair, it's a f- I mean, it's possible that they didn't know that if they were, especially if they were running in stealth mode or or what what have you. It, it wouldn't come up on a search when you're doing a trademark search. You're using the spelling of your thing. You're not you, you're not searching for pronunciation, right? So I and then sometimes large companies will just like bulldoze ahead anyway, just like Apple did with the iPhone. You know, the iPhone was a trademark owned by Cisco back in the time, and, and Apple's like, "Yeah, we're going to use it, and we'll figure it out later." <laughs> we'll yeah. have our lawyers talk to each other, so we'll see what what happens. But the, so the have you been line, testing this or no? Oh well, in fact, I thought I would do a little bit of testing just just to see. Tristan and... always coming through for us, guys. <laughs> Tristan is here. Thank God. Because so, we all know I have not tested this. Well, it's not from Google. So what are you going to do? So um, <laughs> so I just just did a couple of quick tests. One is I uh, just gave it a very high-level question. And that's what I like to do with a lot of these is start with very vague prompts and not over-explain things and see how they do. And then, if necessary, refine as uh, as you go. So what I did is, you know, cur- currently Grok has, with a Q, has got two models available to it. Um, there's actually two versions of Mixtral, but only one of them is available at the moment, and that's from Mistral AI. And then there's Llama 2 from Meta. So you could use one from uh, Mixtral, one from Llama. The, it was so fast, Tasia. It was crazy. Through uh, using the Mixtral model, so I asked, oh, um, what are the Canucks? I said, I didn't even say the Vancouver Canucks. I think, I, did I say Vancouver Canucks? Yeah. What are their odds of winning the Stanley Cup? <gasps> and it answered in half a second, Tasia. Whoa. Well, what do I want to know what it said? Well, the answer was totally useless. Mm. <laughs> it gave outdated Great. stats from 2022. Oh, oh sad trombone. What in the heck? <laughs> Doesn't help. That's now, not, that the, is definitely not the season yeah. we're then, asking about. Exactly. So then again, I was clear. I I didn't give a lot of specific. I just said, what's the, what are the odds are going to win the Stanley Cup this year? So then I tried the Lama Two model, and it came back with one and a half seconds. So like, okay, that's still pretty quick. 
again, no useful answer. It was, again, outdated stats. So like, okay, well, let's try a few other models. I threw that same question at uh, ChatGPT 3.5, and it came back in five and a half seconds, so a bit slower. And it was useless too. It just, it didn't even give any stats. It gave general principles and guidance only. It's like, well, if you want to assess the odds, look at this and that. And the other thing is like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for nothing. Then it's like, okay, let's try ChatGPT4. And it was even slower. But, you know, I tried it a couple of times between eight and 15 seconds. Both of the answers were very comprehensive with links. So cool. All right. So that there was a bit more useful there. Then I tried Bing Copilot just for giggles. 24 seconds. Now, sometimes, Whoa. you know, you got to do this scientifically, and I was not being scientific, you would run this a number of times with each of the models, but I was just trying to get a quick and dirty impression. 24 seconds for being co-pilot. Now, it gave a very comprehensive answer with even more links than the various the uh, ChatGPT4 did, even though it's using ChatGPT4. Uh, although I had asked it twice and it gave different answers. So that's the thing with any of these. And even in precise mode, not in creative mode, not in balanced mode, it was in precise mode. It gave um, you know, odds of plus 1,000 versus uh, plus 500. So that's like 100, I think the, that's like 100 to 1 versus um, 500 to 1. So it's plus 1,000 plus 5,000 were the, the, the two different types of odds it gave. Now, I, of course, I, to satisfy your curiosity, Tasia, I had to try Google Gemini, which we can finally use here in Canada. And it was a 10 seconds, a very decent and respectable 10 seconds. And it actually gave a decent answer. Just the one answer. It gave plus 5,000 as the answer. But I wasn't done, Tasia. I gave a, a go to an up-and-coming search engine. Oh. That we, I think we may have only talked about in passing. And we've, we are bad at our jobs. We have not talked nearly enough about perplexity from perplexity AI. And it gave the best answer in just three seconds. It gave the range, the 1,000 to 5,000 range. So it gave both answers. It said, well, depending on the sources, these are the range because there's a lot of bookmakers and odds makers out there. And it gave multiple links. So for my money, the winner was actually perplexity. Wow. Anyhow. This is Tristan doing the work so you don't have to. But your mileage may vary. You know, it could be having a good day or a, or a bad day. Uh, if you want to try out Perplexity, try perplexity.ai. Uh, of course, Grok is at groq.com. But uh, I'm going to spend a bit more time with all of these because it's so easy for us to get stuck in our ChatGPT worlds, our, our Bing Copilot words, worlds, our Google Gemini worlds. But there's a lot of other tools out there. I mean, Mixtral itself should be powerful because it uses the uh, mixture of experts model from uh, Mistral AI. And sometimes you get better results on specific domains, if, especially if you're specifying. But um, perplexity is definitely worth keeping an eye on because it's, it, it aims to replace Google. It's, it's, it's aiming, it's gunning for the king. But the good news is, Tasia, that's it. We did it. We did it. We crushed it. Only 45 minutes. Let's wrap this thing up. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of AI Name This Show. Believe it or not, we are on Twitter and I will say Twitter because it is still twitter.com. So you can find us twitter.com slash AI named this show. You can click the follow button there. There's also a little bell button. You can get notifications when we post lovely content on, on the tweet box, as it were. Or the X, or however Xbox. you want to refer yeah. to it. We don't call the it the Xbox. Xbox. That's too confusing. Uh, 
Hey, they'll figure it out. If they can figure out Grok and Grok. Can they, and though? Gemma and Gemini and, Gemini and, and Duet and AI and Gemini for Workspace and all the things. We say thank you so much for listening. AI? <laughs> <laughs> and, and goodbye. I left you hanging. I left on a high note for listening. <sighs> to what? Exactly. <laughs> okay, bye.